two weeks, we will begin to work our way through the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is my favorite Gospel. It's the teaching Gospel. Matthew presents Jesus as the new Moses, who gives five powerful discourses to the disciples, and then puts those teachings into action. But for the past 11 and a half months, we've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke is my favorite Gospel. Thank you, they didn't laugh at 7 a.m. And it's the Gospel of social justice, the Gospel of outsiders, and the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. In this next to last week, Jesus speaks of the end of the world. In almost every moment in the last 2,000 years since Jesus uttered these predictions of wars, insurrections, earthquakes, famines, plagues, signs in the skies, and persecutions, people have been convinced that they are living in the moment of which Jesus speaks. But that's not the main point of our gospel today. The point is how we are to prepare for the coming trial. For Luke, of course, the preparations we make are concerning our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwells within us, closer to us than our own breathing. Let's take a moment to acknowledge that. As part of my discernment about whether God was calling me to be a priest, I went on a number of retreats with various religious communities. When the seminarians talked about their training, they talked about classes in such subjects as philosophy, scripture, liturgy, and systematic theology. Finally, on one of those weekends, which just happened to be with the Paulist Fathers, I said to one of the seminarians, that's great, but there's something else that I feel unable to do. How do you learn to talk with people? I mean, how do you actually get the skills to minister to people one-on-one, -on -one, especially when you don't know what they're going to say until they say it? The seminarian explained to me that even though he hadn't mentioned it, such pastoral training was a big essential part of the formation process. Pastoral training consists of two parts, in-the-classroom training and face-to-face -face ministry situations. Well, now that I've been through the process, let me assure you that pastoral formation is a huge part of the training for priesthood these days. Every semester, I took at least one pastoral class. The first semester, we studied various models of human psychosocial development, and then we had to examine ourselves. Where were we ahead, and where were we behind in our own personal development? The next semester, we took a class called The Helping Relationship. It wasn't about how to solve anyone else's problems, as much as it was about how not to impose our problems on the people who came to us. We learned the keys of listening, comprehending, and expressing empathy. In every subsequent semester, I met with classmates once a week to present challenges for my part-time ministry assignments, be it hospital chaplaincy, interfaith marriage preparation, or companionship with Guatemalan and Salvadoran refugees. For class, we would write out our conversations word for word as best as we could remember. And then our classmates and professors would offer us feedback. Well, that's the classroom part. But the other part, the face-to-face -face ministry, was a much more significant part of the training. 
In the year before I took any seminary classes, the Paulist Fathers sent me out on three different ministry assignments. In a lot of ways, I was woefully underprepared for these situations. There were definitely times when I stumbled. I remember an especially awkward conversation I led with the children of a Washington, D.C. inner-city parish while their parents looked on when I talked about family Easter traditions. It turns out none of these kids had ever heard of anyone eating lamb, and they were absolutely repulsed by the concept. It totally derailed any spiritual point that I was trying to make. But what was more remarkable was how often and how wildly I succeeded in ministry. For example, leading a group of disparate people in Berkeley, California, in a Bible study group, including housewives, professors, and people with significant mental challenges. This was all the more remarkable since I was a former engineer who had never studied the Bible and had no training on leading theological discussions or caring for the mentally ill. Since then, I've been led into all kinds of situations in which I felt completely unqualified. Devising a ritual for an interfaith baby blessing in Maryland, presiding at a mass held in a Tennessee prison, counseling families experiencing marital problems in New York, being asked to pray for things in Massachusetts that I thought were against the will of God. What in the world did I know about any of these things? And yet, time and again, people have responded that I've provided just what they needed. In the past six days alone, I've received three letters offering me effusive praise for my ministry to a grieving family, to a cancer patient, and to a man whose family may disown him if he becomes Catholic. How did I become so skilled? The answer is obvious to me. I don't have the ability to do these things. It's the Holy Spirit working through me. It's ironic. In my life before the seminary, I lived in a world of, of the future. As a former engineer, my job was to think of everything that could possibly go wrong and then stop it from happening. As a classical musician, I spent hours rehearsing exactly when and how I would make sounds for a short concert several months in the future. Now I am often at my best in pastoral situations when I don't plan ahead, when I'm present in the moment, rather than making preparations for every contingency. Those pastoral classes I took in seminary have been extremely helpful, not so much for giving me solutions to people's problems, but for giving me the skills to step back and allow the Holy Spirit to take the lead. Our gospel today says, You are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking. I used to think that this was a literary device of Luke to explain how the disciples, including awkward, uneducated guys like Peter, would soon be able to give such eloquent, persuasive speeches in the Acts of the Apostles. But today, I know better. I've experienced what every ministry volunteer has experienced for the past 2,000 years. The Holy Spirit comes through for us again and again. None of us knows when we will be personally affected by an earthquake, a famine, a plague, or a persecution. Jesus tells us not to prepare our defense, 
But there is another way to get ready. It's not experience or education that we need. All we need is to trust in the counsel of the Holy Spirit. It's easier to trust someone we know. In our prayer time, do we spend time getting to know the Holy Spirit? The Spirit is closer to us than we are to ourselves. All we have to do is ask the Spirit to make itself known to us.